Now all across North Carolina, it's Carolina Newsmakers. Here's your host, Don Curtis. Well, welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. This week we have Dale Falwell with us, the North Carolina State Treasurer, who is uh, always an interesting guest because he is uh, doing things to try to save the taxpayers of North Carolina a lot of money. And and he is uh, always willing to give us the news behind the news on issues like the state health plan. And that's one of the things we want to talk about. Um, he is, uh, North Carolina's 28th treasurer and, uh, went into office in 2016 and has not stopped running since. I, I don't mean running for reelection. I mean running. Sure. Uh, so welcome back to the program. Uh, by the way, I've, I've got to mention that you also serve four terms in the North Carolina house. And then, of course, some other legislative uh, or administrative positions in state government. So you're well-versed in state government. Well, I am, and I uh, always enjoy coming on your show. And uh, no matter where I go in the state where this show is broadcast, uh, people always come up to me and said, uh, I heard you on Don Curtis' show. So I appreciate the opportunity. As I've said to you in the past, there are many citizens of North Carolina who live closer to five other state capitals than they do their own. And so this message getting out to the far corners of North Carolina is very valuable. Well, you know, uh, unfortunately, uh, there's not a lot of uh, opportunity for long, uh, long-form discussion of issues because uh, people are in a hurry these days and they want their stuff in bits and pieces. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, that always comes with uh, editing and sometimes people don't get the, all the, the news they need to have. Well, it's, uh, because the state health plan is uh, high on your list of activity and, of course, is a major factor uh, in state government right now, uh, let's talk about where that stands and, and what you're doing to uh, try to uh, correct those uh, uh, deficiencies in that plan. Well, thank you. I, I almost thought you were getting ready to say long-winded. Well, <laughs> but, uh, you, that too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, going back to that comment you just made is that you're exactly right. Um, you and I both remember the 60s. And, you know, uh, when the Beatles went off tour is because there was a conversation that John Lennon was having with Paul McCartney. And he basically asked him, can you hear me sing while we're on stage? And and McCartney said no. And McCartney asked Lennon, said, can you hear me sing? And Lennon said no. And he said, well, if, if we can't hear each other sing and the audience can't hear us sing because – People are screaming past each other. Why are we doing this? And they went off tour, and they went back to London and cut these famous albums. So I hope you're uh, thinking, where's he going with all this? (laughs) Where I'm going with all this is that we are in a society that has some very complex challenges facing us, which is, number one, health care, accessibility and affordability of health care. But we're also in a situation where people just want to be affirmed about how they already feel about a subject, and nobody wants to be informed. And that's the value of newsmakers is to is to inform people about something. So going back to this, your question about the state health plan, it's called the Clear Pricing Project. And <clears throat> your listeners may be sort of asking themselves, why should, I, why should I care? And the reason they should care is either as a member of this plan or as a taxpayer, uh, we're going to spend more money in the state health plan this year than gets appropriated to the universities to run all the campuses or <clears throat> collectively gets reimbursed to um, all the justice and public safety of North Carolina from the deputy sheriff at the local level all the way to the chief justice of the Supreme Court. Your listeners are very familiar with law enforcement and public justice. They're very familiar with the universities. But there's this thing we're talking about 
today that is going to spend more money than either one of those things. So the clear pricing project is very simple. Your listeners have heard about the risky scheme of the state treasurer. So let me tell you what the risky scheme is. We're going to increase transparency, give the control back to the consumer so that they can consume health care, just like they do Pepsi-Cola's chair wine or gasoline. The result of those two things is going to be lower cost. So the Clear Pricing Project basically takes the state health plan, which spends over $3 billion a year, <laughs> and it it increases transparency, gives the power back to the consumer so the consumer can actually figure out what they're paying for health care. None of your listeners, whether it's Ingalls, IGA, Foodline, Harris Teeter, <clears throat> uh, or any of our other great uh, providers of, of supermarkets across North Carolina, not one of your listeners, no matter how they feel about any other subject, Don, would ever go to a grocery store where none of the prices were in the aisles. Where there was just food there, but there was no price of it. And then when they get to the checkout, there's no real receipt that they received. Somebody just kind of took their money. And then four months later, after they already consumed all these groceries, they got a bill in the mail that they didn't understood, didn't understand what they bought. None of your listeners would do that. But that's what they're forced to do with health care. And that's what we're trying to do with the state health plan is to bring transparency so the state employees, retirees, and the taxpayers who fund this plan like them can get the prices that they've been deserving for a long period of time. Apparently, you're finding there is a great difference between what Hospital A and what Hospital B charges for the same procedure. And what you're saying is that's okay if you want to do that, but the, we ought to know what those prices are. Is that is that Exactly right. No. We're sitting here on Highwoods Boulevard, and for your listeners, that's just a, a few block, a few a mile or two away from Wake Forest Road here in Raleigh. We actually have medical providers on both across the street from each other on Wake Forest Road doing the exact same procedure that are getting drastically different reimbursement rates that are sitting on the same road across the street from each other. There's no way for your listeners or anybody else to consume health care. It's consuming them. And, and, and it would always be important, even if this only represented 1% of people's income, but the, our society is spending about 20% of the GDP on this issue. And that's why we're doing the clear pricing project. So now where do the insurance companies stand? Uh, the companies who are paying these bills, where do they stand on this clear pricing p- policy? Great question. And uh, something that I've always r- try to remind people when I talk to them, but this, this message goes out directly to our state employees and retirees, many of whom did not know that Blue Cross Blue Shield is not the insurer for the state health plan and have never been. Now, there's, there's a good reason why our state employees and retirees would think that. They have an insurance card in their pocket, and it says Blue Cross Blue Shield. When they go and get an explanation of benefit in the mail, it says Blue Cross Blue Shield. Why would anyone not think that Blue Cross Blue Shield is the insurer? And uh, we'd be glad to explore this a little bit later, if you like, uh, and explain why this should matter to them. Well, uh, why don't you do that now? Okay. Well, uh So Blue Cross Blue Shield is a third-party administrator for the state health plan. All they do is they handle the administration of all these claims. We had over 17 million claims last year, and Blue Cross Blue Shield is not the insurance company. They're just the administrative folks who actually uh, run the state health plan. But 
So this is what we call a self-funded plan, and that's why it's so important that we live within our budget. Again, uh, let's let's reiterate that. Because Blue Cross Blue Shield administers the plan, uh, people think they are covered by Blue Cross Blue Shield, when in fact the the, the actual payment comes from the state of North Carolina. Absolutely. When Blue Cross presents a bill or provider presents a bill to Blue Cross, we, we pay it. Now, that's with the state employees. That's not necessarily with people who actually have Blue Cross Blue Shield insurance. Right. As private, uh, uh, sure. either through private companies or, or so forth. But some of the large uh, employers in North Carolina, like BNT, yeah. they also have a third party administrative contract with Blue Cross, just like we do. Yeah. And they're self insured. That's correct. Yeah. So, so, uh, so, how do they feel about this? Well, you know, uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield is our partner, and, uh, you know, they've been doing a, a great job of, of standing up, and I use that word exactly how how it sounds standing up something called this north carolina state health plan network for the first time we we are going to have a north carolina state health plan network so that we can take advantage of our buying power to the benefit of our teachers troopers and and other types of state employees Uh, secondly to give we've already given the context of how many how much money we spend on this plan every year briefly i want to tell your listeners how many people are on the plan there are as many people on this plan today in the state health plan than work for these three companies combined in the United States, Amazon, J.P. Morgan, and Berkshire Hathaway. The total employment base of those three companies in the United States is about the size of the state health plan. That's how much buying power we have. So that puts you kind of in the driver's seat. Well, it does, um, but you know, Sometimes when you're in the driver's seat, you're in not total control of the of the situation. The clear pricing project, uh, the contract became available about six weeks ago. Uh, this is the last week of the contracting period. I'm pleased to report to your listeners that uh, we have tens and tens of thousands of providers have already signed on to the clear pricing project. Uh, many of these are are are, are uh, primary care physicians, mental health specialists. In almost every instance, the primary care physicians and the mental health specialists across North Carolina are going to get a pay increase. The reason that is is that we prioritize that. We prioritized it because the number one goal of a primary care physician or mental health specialist is to help people get well and keep their butts out of a hospital. That's their number one goal, and there's nobody better qualified to do that. That's why it's so uh, important that we've had tens of thousands of folks already sign on to the clear pricing project. But as you know, there is opposition to it. So what's, uh, what's the timetable on this? When will this be decided and how, uh, uh, how long is it going to take to come to a verdict? Well, <clears throat> the contracting period ends next Monday uh, because of the, the backlog. And the, the, normally when your listeners hear the word backlog, it has a negative connotation. Sometimes a backlog is, is simply where somebody submitted some paperwork and it's not quite cured. It's not necessarily a bad word. It just means that when we're dealing with, as, as the state treasurer, the p- keeper of the public purse, <clears throat> when it comes to making payments of taxpayer money, we want to make sure that we're making payments to the medical providers that's actually provide the service. Uh, it'll probably take a week or two for us to uh, figure out exactly what our numbers are, um, and then the plan goes into effect, which was, which was your direct question, on January 1st of 2020. And we hope to... Our plan is to save $250 million uh, by reducing costs, and uh, $50 million of that 
savings is going to be money that belongs to the state employee themselves through copays and deductibles. Well, we'll be watching and keeping up with that. Uh, uh, Dale Falwell is our guest. He's the 30, uh, 28th treasurer of the state of North Carolina. Of course, as we say, he's been working on the state health plan. Uh, uh, and we didn't talk about the unfunded uh, problem with the state health plan, but we'll talk about that in future segments. Uh, and we'll be back with more questions and more answers that will forthcome from uh, Dale Falwell when we return here on Carolina Newsmakers. Adopt U.S. Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting. A teenager learning the lingo. Today I'm going to help parents translate teen slang. Now, when a teen says something is on fleek, it's exactly like saying, that's rad. It simply means that something is awesome or cool. Another one is totes. It's exactly like saying, totally, just shorter. As in, I totes love going to the mall with Becca. Another word you might hear is jelly. Jelly is a shorter, better way to say jealous. As in, Chloe, I am like so jelly of your unicorn phone case. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will think you're, um, rad just the same. To learn more, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. When we get old, will you take care of me if I can't get around anymore? Of course. We'll find a way. Are you going to take care of me if I can't see anymore? I'll read to you every day. And if one of us gets Alzheimer's disease, what then? Call 1-800-437-2423 for a free booklet on caring for your loved ones from Alzheimer's Disease Research. 1-800-437-2423. We continue with Carolina Newsmakers. Here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers. Dale Falwell, the North Carolina State Treasurer, is our guest in uh, uh, you know, just to put this into perspective, uh, the Treasurer's Office oversees more than $90 billion in pension investments, which ensures the retirements of 950,000 teachers, firefighters, and public employees. That is a huge, huge amount of money that you are looking after. And because of that, uh, management fees and interest rates and state bond ratings and all that sort of thing are important uh, because it uh, they, they all affect – uh, our tax basis that affects how much taxes we pay and it, uh, and uh, also affects what we can and cannot do in the state of North Carolina. So let's talk a little bit about the uh, management fees. I know you've been working on those because we we have to pay management fees to people who invest that $90 million, billion. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've been working on lowering those management fees. How's that working out? Uh, it's, it's working out really well. Uh, Many of your listeners will, will remember Harlan Bowles. Uh, Harlan was the uh, t- three treasurers ago, and he was considered by many to be the best state treasurer of the 20th century, not just in North Carolina, but actually in the United States. And when Harlan Bowles left office in 2001, uh, the pension plan was 110% funded, which means it had every dollar it needed plus 10 cents on top of that. But the management fees that weren't uh, that uh, – uh, Harlan was paying was was about fifty million dollars. Uh, when I was sworn in in two thousand seventeen, the investment fees had gone from fifty to nearly seven hundred million dollars per year, and this is money that belongs to the participants of these plans. 
So uh, our number one goal uh, that I put on my job application, uh, you you mentioned in the earlier segment about running for office. I feel like it's a it's about applying for a job. You know, running for office implies that you tell people something, and then once you get out of sight and out of mind, you don't follow up on anything. Applying for a job means that you do every day what you told the the citizens that you were going to do, and that's how we uh, approach it. But getting back to the management fees, we've been successful. We're on a four-year run rate right now to cut nearly $350 million of management fees out of the pension plan. That's pretty much already in the oven, uh, thanks to the hard work of the investment management team. Uh, As you uh, know, but your listeners may not know, our office is right around the corner from where we're sitting right now. And that $90 billion is actually $102 billion today. Uh, it's the first time, uh, $101 billion. It's the first time in state history that it's gone over $100 billion. Uh, but more importantly, 50% of that money now is being managed by internally without the need of uh, outside managers in the form of index funds and, and fixed income investments. So very excited about the progress we've made there. But the, the pension plan, even though it's one of the best funded in the United States, has headwinds. And uh, be glad to talk to you about that uh, as we go forward. So uh, let's talk about uh, the state bond rating because North Carolina has always benefited from having a great state bond rating. When we borrow money, we pay back less in interest than than, uh, most states, maybe the least. I'm not sure about that, but uh, I do know we have a very proud bond rating, Mm -hmm. and that has saved us a lot of money, which can then be plowed into the projects. Sure. Exactly right. And for your listeners, a bond rating is something that's like a, a credit score. Credit score for an individual is like a bond rating for the state. Uh, we're blessed to have the triple, triple, triple A bond rating of for North Carolina. What that triple, triple means is that all the rating agencies give us their, their highest rating. And as you've correctly pointed out, uh, no matter what people disagree on politically, everybody agrees that if you're borrowing money for public education, public safety, public roads, the ports, the parks, and all the other core functions of state government, that any time that you can borrow money and pay a lower rate of interest for it, that means you get more of all that stuff that you're trying to buy. Uh, in the last few weeks, we've issued not 100, not 200, but nearly $900 million worth of transportation bonds um, in the form of Garvey bonds and, and uh, other types of bonds. And those interest rates came in around 2.3%. Uh, so that was very exciting to see that. But uh, having a AAA bond rating does relate back to these other things that we've talked about over the over the, the months and years that we've been together, which is the unfunded pension and health care liability. Uh, now, more than any time in our lives, Don, these rating agencies are paying special and close attention to these unfunded pension and health care liabilities uh, as they go forward to determine whether a state is able to keep its AAA bond rating or not. Vermont, since the last time I was on your show, lost one of its AAA bond ratings. And one of the reasons that was given was the unfunded liability associated with the state of Vermont. And we have our own unfunded liabilities here. Now, you mentioned Garvey bonds. Uh, That's a term I'm not familiar with. What are are Garvey bonds? Uh, Garvey's is uh, government anticipation uh, bonds. And what it basically does, it's a a, uh, federal program that was set up probably decades ago that allow states to take advantage of the fuel tax that we know that's going to be paid at the pump by our, your listeners. But then part of that money on that fuel tax goes to Washington 
then it comes back down to us. <clears throat> so it's basically a way of borrowing money to go ahead and do transportation projects in anticipation of that transfer of money taking place over the next several years. Okay, so that explains that. Now I know what Garvey buns are. I Don't think. ask me what the, what the second E stands for, though. Uh, <laughs> well, you have to have it to make it Garvey. Uh, it would be Garve if it didn't have the second E, and that, that's nice. Um, so uh, so uh, uh, the interest rates uh, that we're receiving and the interest rates we are paying uh, – that's a, an issue that you watch all the time because that amounts to millions and millions of dollars. But I also have to watch in the pension plan because as interest rates, and you remember the, the Kodachrome album of uh, Paul Simon put out in the 60s, and on the front of that album there was a picture of two chairs, and the, the caption, I don't know what you were doing in the 60s, I'm not sure I want to know, but uh, the, the, the caption was one man's ceiling is another man's floor, and it actually had a chair sitting like you would expect a chair to sit. Then it had another chair glued up to the ceiling that you could see through, and one man's ceiling is another man's floor. So what does that mean to your listeners? What that means is that as we enjoy lower interest rates when we borrow money, we get kicked in the pants on the pension plan because we have $30 billion sitting in the pension plan that's interest-bearing. So anytime interest rates go down, it helps us a little bit on the state debt but it really hurts us as far as the earnings of the pension plan. That's an example of one man's ceilings, another man's floor. Well, it's all a balancing act, and uh, you have to stay on top of it. Absolutely, and you know the way to stay on top of it is the way that a lot of your listeners have stayed on top of their affairs and their uh, small businesses and their large businesses over the years, and that is to, to focus on the pennies and the paper clips. If you focus on the pennies and the paper clips, everything else will take care of itself. Well, that's something that you've been famous for, uh, not only uh, as uh, treasurer, but also uh, in your uh, time as a member of the General Assembly and uh, also in your administrative post with the Employment Security Commission. You get down into the, uh, to the grass uh, on all the issues, and, and uh, my dad used to say the same thing you're saying. He said, you take care of your pennies and nickels, your dimes will take care of themselves, and uh, that's true. Yeah, and, and as the keeper of the public purse, that's exactly uh, that's exactly uh, what people expect us to do. And you know, it's whether it's Wall Street fees or high health care cost or high drug cost. You know, anytime as keeper of the public purse or the wallet, so to speak, anytime anybody has the, their hand on that uh, unnecessarily, uh, that's not good. And every every penny that's unnecessarily spent on Wall Street fees on high health care cost or high drug cost is a penny that can never, ever be spent for public education, public safety, public roads, and all the other important core functions of our state government. I don't have uh, time to get into uh, some other issues in this segment, so, but we've got about two minutes left. So let's in this segment, let's talk about unclaimed cash for just a moment because that's a very interesting thing. Well, if we talk about that, people won't come back for the last segment because uh, they're going to be checking their their uh, computer but uh nc cash and uh it doesn't matter what time of the day it is when you're a former stutterer like i am when you say the word is sheets you just have to slow it down and say it clearly yes it's it's the nccash.com we have 700 million dollars worth of unclaimed property sitting there we have some baby that teeth. belongs to people it belongs to people we actually have more records of things than than we have people in north carolina 
and uh, we have some baby teeth, we have some silver teeth, some gold teeth, and maybe for me and you one day we have some false teeth. And the reason is is that every abandoned lockbox in North Carolina ends up at a bank, ends up at the unclaimed property division. But mainly what we have is cash and securities. And uh, last year we gave over nearly $600,000 to one individual who did not realize that she was a beneficiary of a life insurance policy that somebody designated her as. We just gave money to Eastern Food Banks. We have a million dollars sitting there that belongs to churches, uh, hospices, habitats, nonprofits across the state. So uh, your listeners, uh, when they get through listening to our fantastic dialogue here, can go to nccash.com. And if they don't see my radio face, and I say that in a little bit of jest, uh, if they don't see my face as the state treasurer at the top left of the banner, they're on the wrong website, and they can put in their name. And if they have a common name like Curtis, they need to put something else in there like Don or the city of Raleigh. But if they have an unusual name like Falwell, there's only about 15 of us in the state, then they can just put in Falwell, and it'll bring up all the Falwells that have unclaimed cash. And uh, so that money is just waiting. You're willing to write that check anytime somebody can prove it's theirs. Absolutely. Bill Falwell is our guest, and uh, we will be back with another segment. We're going to get back to talking about issues when we return with the next segment of Carolina Makers. You stay tuned. I spend a lot of time in the garage, but even more time in the rain, sleet, and mud. In 95... I helped tow your moving trailer. In 05, I helped you get out of a ditch. Yeah, I know I'm a bit rusty, and sadly in 09, it was sparks from me, your handy chains, dragging behind your truck that accidentally started a wildfire. Sparks from dragging chains can start a wildfire. Spark a change not a wildfire. Visit SmokeyBear.com, brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires. I'm not staying home tonight. I'm at school all day. If they want me to do the work, give it to me while I'm at school. This guy has me coming to work 10 hours a day. So what if I didn't finish school? That doesn't mean he can work me like a dog. Hey, man, I need a few bucks. My car's busted and I need some cash. Hello? Hello? Every decision you make has a benefit or a consequence. Make the right choices today and be ready for the challenges tomorrow. This message is brought to you by the United States Air Force. We continue with Carolina Newsmakers. Here's Don Curtis. We're back with Dale Falwell, the North Carolina State Treasurer. We've, uh, we've already talked about the state health plan, and that is a very big issue. And if you missed that part of the broadcast, you may want to go back and listen to it by going to carolinanewsmakers.com, and we'll talk about that a little later, uh, 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 how to do that a little later on, uh, because the clear pro- pricing issue is one that is uh, so interesting and uh, can bring down the cost of health care. Uh, it's an interesting, interesting issue, and we've already discussed it, and you can hear that uh, by going back and listening to that part of the broadcast. Okay, let's, uh, uh, let, let's talk a little bit about the overall economy. Uh, you know, the... Uh, Economists will always tell you we have an economic cycle, and that means there are going to be good times and bad times in the economy. Uh, we had a extreme recession about, uh, what, uh, 10 years ago now. Uh, 
but since that time, we have been uh, in what is called a bull market, uh, good times. Mm-hmm. Um, people keep saying, well, we may have a slight recession next year, maybe the year after. What do you see? Where do you see the economy going as a whole? Well, uh, what I see is what everybody sees if uh, if they're looking around, and that is that interest rates, especially as you adjust them for inflation, are at all-time lows of our lifetime, right? Yes. Uh, they see uh, employment at an all-time high of our lifetime, uh, and they see the stock market at an all-time high. And uh, and oil, uh, price of oil is, is down. You know, I paid 218 for gas this week. Uh, and so that's what people are experiencing. Obviously, any time that something is run as long as this uh, bull market has, people are, 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 are concentrating on making sure they have a margin of safety in anything they're invested in. And uh, as a state treasurer, I can't give investment advice to the listeners, but just people just need to know where their money is and why it's there. It's just basic, really basic questions. And, but, but generally speaking, no one is really calling for an immediate uh, change in the economy like in the next six months or nine months. And nobody's really calling for that. But um, as you and I know, uh, as many of these as we've experienced, it, it nobody calls you. <laughs> it just happens. And it happens sometimes it's uh, fast like it happened in 08 and sometimes fast like it happened in 87. And <clears throat> sometimes it's torturous because uh, it happened over a long period of time. The, the challenge with this pension plan, going back to the headwinds facing it, is that as good as this market has been over the last 10 years, the plan has not, I repeat, has not earned its assumed rate of return. That's the money, that's the amount of the interest, the amount it has to earn to keep up with paying the benefit. It has not earned that on average for the last 21 years. And my prediction is it's not going to earn it for the next 21 years. And so when when you have a situation like that, you need to make sure you understand why your money's where it is and make sure that none of it's unnecessarily being spent, especially when you have over 900,000 people on this pension plan. And by the way, Don, I think I've said this on your show before, that's one out of 10 adult North Carolinians. Uh, next week, we're going to send out pension checks that amount to $525 million. That's for 30 days on the pension plan. By the way, uh, when that uh, assumed rate was established, uh, uh, you could go to the savings and loans, and which don't exist anymore, but you could get 5 or 6% interest. And so it was natural to assume that that interest rate was going to be higher, uh, and uh, that's not there anymore. So that's part of the problem that you have to overcome. But it should have been adjusted sure. uh, to to reality along the way. Yeah, and uh- – I never had the pleasure of meeting uh, Mr. Bowles, and not sure uh, 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 of. But I can tell you, uh, it doesn't matter how how unathletic you are uh, when you can earn ten percent in Treasury bonds, and your hurdle was six, four, six, or seven. It's pretty easy to be the state treasurer, but uh, obviously he faced a lot of challenges too. But lower interest rates was not one of them. You also, of course, are worried and concerned about the health of the cities and counties in North Carolina because that is a, a part of our overall government. Mm-hmm. So uh, how do you view the situation with our cities and counties? And, and, of course, we know that we've got 
growing counties that are just growing fast as you can look at, and we've got some counties, about a large number of counties, that are actually either stagnant or decreasing in growth, and that's a problem. Well, I would say this, and not to, you know, I'll say this as humbly as I can. Uh, there's no elected official in North Carolina, either constitutionally or statutorily, that has more responsibility for the health and well-being of the counties and the cities and the state treasurer, no matter who that treasurer happens to be. And the reason is is that the state treasurer, I, in this case, uh, chair the local government commission. And that's where 1,310 entities come in front of the local government commission in order to be able to borrow money. So that's all 100 counties. Uh, that's uh, the 540-some-odd cities, the water and sewer districts, Raleigh-Durham Airport. So having a, a, a prosperous and, and solvent county and city system is very important. Uh, your listeners over the next uh, few years especially are going to see some cities, for example, you didn't ask about cities, but it's the same question. You're going to see some cities that get dechartered uh, who can no longer function as cities because they just can't make it. They're their populations have dwindled, their costs have gone up, and their water and sewer districts are crumbling. And, and uh, we're working on something also called a historical charter, charter which means that anytime a, a city uh, loses its incorporation, so to speak, that they can just be a historical charter so that they can call themselves whatever it is they've been calling themselves as an unincorporated area. But it's very important. Um, this this so this, this what's about set seventy. That infrastructure yeah. when there's no city to take care of the infrastructure. Well, actually, there's some legislation coming through right now, and then Raleigh and the General Assembly to kind of deal with this. And and I, I don't mean to be uh, crude to your listeners, but we're ba- we're talking about the basics of flushing a toilet. And when you don't have water and sewer, or, or when your water and sewer rates are 150 dollars a month in some parts of rural North Carolina, you. That means you don't really have access to water and sewer. It's not that the line's not coming past you, but this is a very serious matter. And uh, at part of the LGC, for example, we just approved a pump a few months ago, a sewer pump for Sparta. And, you know, pumps are different in, in the mountains than they are, you know, at the coast. But that pump was supposed to cost $486,000, and the cost came in at $700,000. So when you're dealing with a small water and sewer district, you know, two or $300,000, it takes you a long time to make that up, but having accessible, affordable water and sewer, health care, and, and good public education are the, the, the requirements for counties and cities, especially in rural North Carolina, to survive, and, and we take that, that responsibility very seriously. Now, the General Assembly is in session. The budget is being discussed. We've got a couple of budget plans on the table, uh, and uh, there's... Uh, a lot of political rhetoric going on about whether the budget passed will be vetoed, et cetera, et cetera. What is the legislation that particularly affects the, the uh, treasurer's office that, uh, that you're looking at, and where does that stand? Well, the legislation they passed last year, which I, I was um, hoping that there would be funding for, is the, called the Solvency Fund. Uh, the Solvency Fund was one of the first, if not the first, in the United States that basically acknowledges that we're going to set up a fund to start dealing with these unfunded liabilities. Your listeners don't wake up and think about unfunded liabilities, at least I hope they don't. Uh, they wake up thinking about educating their kids and having safe streets and, and, and good roads and all those other core functions of, of state government. The solvency fund basically 
acknowledges to the rating agencies that we actually have a fund that we're going to start funding to take care of these massive unfunded health care and pension liabilities. So let me put that in context. Harlan Bowles, who I mentioned in a previous segment, said 40 years ago, 40 years ago, that one day these little understood unfunded health care and pension liabilities associated with public service workers would eventually equal, surpass, and dwarf the state debt. As we sit here today, Don, these unfunded liabilities are about eight times the state debt, over $48 billion of unfunded pension health care liability. And the reason this should matter, especially to people in your who are listening to this, Warren Buffett, who's been my mentor for 32 years and one of the best investors of our lifetime, said just two months ago, any company in America who's thinking about expanding or relocating had better look at the unfunded health care and pension liabilities of the state they're going to and the community they're going to. These communities like Wake County have hundreds of millions of dollars of unfunded liabilities. It's not just a state issue. It's also a city issue and a county issue, both not just on the pension plans, but also on the health care plans. So uh, how do we get out of this mess? Well, it's like an ain't eating a ham biscuit. It's, uh, it's one bite at a time. And we've put forth proposals to do that. Unfortunately, uh, some of the simple proposals that we put forth last year, uh, Governor Cooper vetoed them, uh, had no interest in really understanding the, the real problems that we're facing uh, with these unfunded liabilities and how these rating agencies are actually looking at not just what we're saying, but what we're doing about it. Um, so what the clear pricing project for the health plan is going to be a, a big deal, being able to to lower the trend on health care uh, increases is is huge. So it's a lot of big things and it's a lot of little things. But at the end of the day, every, every day, you got to just take a little bit of a bite out of it. Now, I understand from Tom Campbell that uh, a number of these things uh, are, are being addressed as far as future obligations with new employees as far as their pension and so forth. Mm-hmm. But, of course, we've made promises that we have to keep. Yes, and actually nothing has happened on the pension side. There's been some things that happened on the health care side as far as future employees, but nothing has happened on the pension side. And to kind of put this in context, uh, I've already talked about the Wall Street fees. Let me just talk briefly about life expectancies, and and, uh, this is becoming more uh, important to me as I get older. Uh, When I was in high school in Winston-Salem in the late 70s, there were 248 people over the age of 90 who were getting a pension check off the pension plan that we've been talking about. This month, it'll be 7,300 people getting a pension check over the age of 90. So we've had increased life expectancies. The pension plan has no minimum retirement age, so once people get their years of service, they can retire, and people are living longer. And interest rates are at all-time low, and we have a lot of this money that's in interest rate-bearing investments. So... These are major challenges, but we approach it like we do everything else uh, with integrity, ability, and passion, and that's how we solve a problem. Dale Falwell is our guest. We'll be back with one final segment of Carolina Newsmakers right after these messages. As an 18-year-old, I let my mistakes kind of take over my life. I was .5 credits away from completing high school, and I didn't do it. Ten years later, at age 28, Jackie finished her high school diploma. When I found out that I was pregnant, I know that I had to do something for myself if I wanted to make her a better person and provide a better life for her. 
My family never stopped pushing for me to be better because they knew what I could become and who I could become as a person. My support team is amazing. The educational director, my sister, and even my seven-year-old daughter has just been more than the support that I could ask for. I've been given an opportunity, and I'm just thankful for it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. You've got your shades on, do you? So cool, so hip, so sheltered by frames of UV protection to show the world you are a force. But did you also know by wearing sunglasses, you're doing your eyes a favor? That's right. Sunglasses help avoid overexposure to the sun, which can produce red eyes, a feeling of grittiness, even excessive tearing. But you, oh master of the incognito, are taking care of your eyes without even knowing it. For more easy ways to keep keeping your eyes healthy, see your optometrist or visit AOA.org. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers. Dale Falwell, the state treasurer of North Carolina, is our guest, and uh, we've been talking about all sorts of things that affect the uh, not only the present uh, financial situation of the state of North Carolina, but also our future concerns. If you'd like to hear a repeat of this broadcast or share it with a friend, you can go online to carolinanewsmakers.com and hear the entire broadcast. If you happen to be listening to one of the stations that carries the half-hour version of this program, the other segment is available on Carolina Newsmakers also, and you can listen to that as our producer, Jason Kong, segregates that and puts it up in that way. Uh, Dale Falwell is with us, and uh, Dale, because so many people join the broadcast uh, in progress and don't hear the very first segment, let's do a brief recap of the uh, transparency that you're seeking in the state health plan where you are asking for a clear pricing pro- mm-hmm. uh, uh, project where you're asking the hospitals and medical care providers to tell the consumers how much it's going to cost before they uh, uh, go in. Sure. Well, the clear pricing project is basically doing what people do every day in their everyday life. For example, when they go to a grocery store, they see a price on the aisle by an item, and they're able to determine the value and the price of it. With healthcare, it's like going to a grocery store and there's no prices on any product. Then when you check out, you don't get a receipt. Then four months after you've consumed it, you get a receipt that you don't understand. So all we're trying to do is increase transparency, push the control out to the consumer, and as a result, lower healthcare cost. Now, just in the last few days, the President of the United States has signed an executive order about transparency, surprise billing, out-of-network, and all the other things that we've been actually doing in, in North Carolina for over, for over a year. Uh, it's important that the president is talking about these things, but we're actually doing these things in North Carolina. So the clear pricing is about more transparency, giving the control to the consumer so they can actually consume health care, and that will result in lower cost. What are we going to do with the $250 million of savings inside the clear pricing project? Uh, one thing we're going to do is we're going to lower family premiums. A beginning teacher and a beginning trooper in North Carolina this year has to work one week out of every four to pay the family premium on the state health plan, which is the largest purchaser of health care in North Carolina. There's no reason that the largest purchaser of something cannot do it better and more efficiently, especially on behalf of teachers, troopers, and other state employees across the state. So that's the initiative that we have going on with the state health plan. And we're in our last week of contracting. We have had, had tens of thousands 
of providers who have signed on the clear pricing. And these are the providers. Correct. Yeah, and that's that's a good sign. Yeah. That's a good sign. Our score for hospitals is zero. Uh, no hospitals have signed on the clear pricing project. Their spokespeople have said uh, in many different ways that uh, there's no way that their association or the hospitals they control is going to re- is going to sign on to to clear pricing. And as I've said in the earlier segment, literally just a mile from where we're sitting, you can get the same procedure done by two different medical providers across the street from each other, and there's dramatic difference on what those cost. Since we've launched the clear pricing project, I had somebody call me uh, from an area between here and Pinehurst uh, last week who had to get an, an upper and a lower GI done. Uh, a family member had to get an upper and lower GI image done. And one place, the first place they went, it was $5,000. And the second place they went, it was $700. You know, people just need to know what this stuff costs. But, and the reason is, is not only about being able to afford health insurance for their families, being able to actually afford to get sick, but, but the main reason that this is so important is that so much of our economy is, is driven by something that people don't know the price of or the value of. Now, is this something you can do without legislation or because you're the purchaser and you're the administrator of the plan? Uh, that's correct. Yep. And as your listeners may know, that there is a piece of legislation that has uh, been filed. It's passed the House of Representatives. It's uh, currently in the Senate Rules Committee and uh, to actually stop us from doing anything to lower prices or increase transparency. And, you know, when I put my left hand on the Bible and raise my right hand uh, to be the keeper of the public purse, I intend to do everything I can to to lower cost and to make sure we're not spending a penny or a paper clip unnecessarily. And that's why the State Employees Association of North Carolina, which is the voice of public service workers, has actually come out and enthusiastically endorsed what we're doing. Uh, other legislation that uh, is pending that uh, will affect us uh, or affect your office? Well, as I said earlier, the solvency fund, We uh, probably a main reason that there was not money put in the solvency fund this year is that is that uh, the rainy day fund, we had rain. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when I was doing this interview last year, we had over $2 billion in the rainy day fund. Uh, now we only have $1.3 billion in the rainy day fund just because it rained a lot. And uh, obviously, that will get uh, uh, replenished. We hope that the rains will hold off and not have any catastrophic things like we had happen uh, last year and uh, get the rainy day fund built back up so the overflow can go into the solvency fund to start dealing with these unfunded pension and health care liabilities. Uh, and uh, so and, and I want to put in one more. We've got uh, a couple of minutes here. Uh, one more uh, plug-in here for folks who uh, probably – in many cases, have some of that $750 million that's in your in your possession that actually belongs to them. How can they find out how to get their money? Well, I've noticed you've never said that word that I have so much trouble with. But uh, they go I, I'm not going to. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's called nccash.com. Uh, it's not a gimmick. These are unclaimed things. And uh, it could be a, a dividend check from Duke Power. It could be a uh, where you overpay Duke Power or – Somebody designated you as a beneficiary of a life insurance policy that you didn't know about or electric co-op dividend. It could be a bank account that somebody set up for you as a child. and you Or you, you didn't, didn't notify somebody when you changed the dress and right. so forth. Yeah. So this is unclaimed property. This is money that belongs to the citizens of this state. We actually have more records of things than we have people. 
So the chances are somebody listening to your show of the tens and hundreds of thousands of people that listen to your show every week, uh, many, many of those folks have money at the unclaimed uh, property division of the state treasurer's office. If you have an unusual name like Falwell, uh, you can just put in Falwell. If you've lived in another state, every state has one of these uh, escheats funds. You can put in your name there. And uh, if you have a common name like Curtis, you need to you know put a first name in probably the city you lived in. But it'll literally pull up every Curtis that has money in the unclaimed property division, so, and there's the way of claiming so let it. Let me get this straight. You're saying Curtis is common and Falwell is, is special. And acquired taste. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> um, I just want but, to say that you know, you interestingly <laughs> enough, I've checked this and I found money that belongs to me in that fund, and I, I was surprised because I've, I've always thought that I kept up with everything. Yeah. And uh, so it, it is interesting, and and it uh, it's it's like free money. I mean, it's tax paid money. I mean, you you don't pay income on it, income tax on it. Right. It's money that we're trying to get back to its rightful yeah. owner. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Dale, thank you so much for sharing uh, your thoughts with us and bringing us up to date on the economy in North Carolina and particularly the workings of your office as you uh, wrestle with uh, all the, uh, the the task of managing the $101 billion of state funds and investments and also uh, taking care of the health care uh, for insurance for over, what, 725 or so thousand citizens. Mm-hmm. We look forward to you being back with us again. And uh, uh, again, a reminder that if you uh, would like to hear a repeat of this broadcast, you can go online to carolinanewsmakers.com and hear the entire broadcast. Or if you're listening to one of the stations that carries only the half-hour version, you can hear the other half-hour. It's segmented uh, in a separate segment. So uh, our program has been produced by Jason Kong, and he'll have another interesting guest for us again next week on the same group group of stations all across North Carolina. So the next week, same time, same station. Have a nice week, everybody. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.